Care to chat? Hello and welcome to our podcast from the Northern Ireland Social Care Council. Social care and social work are such enormously important parts of life here. They really came to the fore during the pandemic and now with the crisis in the health service, they're in the news again. So in these podcasts, we're going to find out about these jobs, the people who work in them, the routes into social care and social work, how staff can progress and develop their careers, about the reforms taking place and very importantly, how people in these fields take care of themselves as well as their clients. This time, how to foster equality, diversity and inclusion in social work and social care. Northern Ireland has changed a great deal in recent years. It's timely, perhaps, that we're talking about this as the Good Friday Agreement reaches its 25-year milestone. A quarter of a century on, we now have a workforce in which a migrant population is playing an ever greater role. So how's that working out? What's happening in social work and social care? With me are Anne-Marie Gray, who's Professor of Social Policy in the School of Criminology, Politics and Social Policy at Ulster University, and Paul Rooney, Professional Advisor at the Social Care Council. Thanks both of you very much for joining me for this podcast. Um, Anne-Marie, maybe you could set the scene for us here and uh, tell us what is gender equality Um the legislative policy context that we're in here as well, where does racism fit into this? I know this is an enormous question, but maybe we could start with those. (laughs) Well, maybe we'll start with gender because I think care work generally is so associated with women and that's a very historical thing and goes back to the origins of of social work. Uh, But what that has meant is that these workforces, both social work and social care, have always been predominantly female. Now, That in itself, you might think, is not necessarily a problem, but it has come to be a problem because I guess it has meant that care work has become associated with work of less value because women in these workforces were seen to replicate what they often did in the home. And I think as a society, we quite often don't value that care work for that reason because we don't see it as formal, we don't see it as professional and we don't see it as suited to men because we still hold on to these old traditional ideas about work for men and work for women. Uh, And I think in a very diverse society where our clients are are diverse, where users are diverse, that's not necessarily a good thing. And the, the degree of occupational segregation also means that these jobs that are associated mainly with women are low paid jobs quite often because they're low valued. And the professionalism, as, as you mentioned, isn't mentioned. The word just tends to be in there a lot, doesn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. I'm just, a... I'm just a nurse or I'm just a social worker. And nursing's actually quite an interesting parallel because, you know, the, the old adage of the nurse being the handmaiden of the doctor, and that was really challenged through the professionalisation of nursing. And nurses became much more assertive, you know, much more involved and actually what was seen as the cure part of the job. And, and some, nur- some nurses at the time were rather annoyed about that because they felt that the care component would be valued. And I think that's what we want to hold on to in social work. You know, it's really important that these are seen as professional roles, professional jobs, but we need to value care for care's sake and acknowledge that this is a professionally skilled job. Is it the same for social care and social work or is there a difference in in social work in that it's 
Well, it doesn't have the care word in there. It perhaps. doesn't have the care word, and it's a it's a professionally recognised qualification. So I think most people do perceive social workers as being trained, as be as being as having qualifications. And in your introduction, Wendy, you mentioned the pandemic, and I think the pandemic really alerted the public to what care social care workers do. And there was quite an interesting debate going on during the pandemic, you know, about why did we not know this before? Look at what they're doing. It is really skilled. And I think we need to try and hold on to that because if we don't and, and we don't recognise the value of this work as a society, we won't be able to sustain it. And it's one of, the, for the Northern Ireland economy, health and social care and social care in particular is a growth area. Paul, from a social care council perspective, talk about this a bit for us. Is, is this a is this a really big challenge for the social care council? Well, I think workforce generally within social work and social care is a, is a huge agenda for us going into the future in terms of attracting the right people into both social care and social work. Uh, in in the social care council, we have a reg- registration of a total forty. 4,418 people on the register. Uh, 6,540 of those individuals are qualified social workers. Uh, We have 774 students in there and the remainder, which is 37,000 odd uh, social care workers from part two of the register. And that's a huge workforce. Uh, It's bigger than nursing in Northern Ireland. It's bigger than the finance and IT industry. And as Anne-Marie said, you know, it it, no one would think that uh, it, it's perceived as a, a small workforce. Um, certainly the the differentials between social work and social care need to be explained. Uh, social work is, is a statutory role. It's there to upstand and support legislation around equality, human rights, particularly when we're talking about inclusivity and diversity. And we have an increasing diversity in that workforce, uh, not as many as we, we need, uh, but we have people now coming to Northern Ireland that wouldn't have been here 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I suppose as a health and social care system, we have to be able to understand people from different cultures who come here uh, and make a, a, a certainly um, provision within our services to uphold uh, the same level of support that we would support ordinary uh, citizens in Northern Ireland. And that is a, that's a significant uh, ask, particularly in the Northern Ireland context, when we've come in from you know uh, a legacy of troubles and uh, where there was very little diversity, and and you know do you do you get into the whole issue around tolerance versus acceptance? That's a real issue in Northern Ireland around you know do we just tolerate people who come to choose to live in Northern Ireland and work here, or do we really accept them and support them to integrate? Uh, so that's a huge issue for social work around different cultures and making sure that um, our social work uh, of today and tomorrow are equipped in terms of the knowledge and skills to properly support those individuals. Uh, So from the council's perspective, we really want to see uh, greater diversity within our communities, uh, within within social care and and social work particularly. Uh, And we had pre-Brexit significant numbers of uh, individuals from all around the world um, and they've come and chose to come and work in Northern Ireland. Um, huge challenges for those workforces because, you know, we have had big campaigns whereby we encourage people to come and work here. And indeed, at the minute, post-Brexit, that's a real issue. How, how do we develop um, new workforces outside the existing? 
um, because we have huge vacancies. Um, so it's just not about attracting people into Northern Ireland. It's what, what supports do they need when they're here uh, and how do we best uh, do that? Do you need to be ahead of the curve in some ways? You know, you talk about the difference between tolerance and, and acceptance and for an awful lot of people in Northern Ireland, they don't actually have to deal with the diverse element of society nowadays. They can stay in their own little bubble, if I can put it like that. Whereas, you know, if you're trying to develop your social work and social care uh, workforce, do you need to be ahead of the rest of us, really? Well, I think you you tend to be aware of the complexities and the difficulties uh, with this workforce. And I, in my role in the past, I've been dealing with, you know, people coming from other countries and mapping qualifications across to make sure that they can work effectively within the Northern Ireland context. And the stories from individuals around, you know, the difficulties, you know, just moving to another country is huge and bringing families and housing and, you know, welfare issues, doctors, all those things. It's just not about getting a job. It's about how you integrate within communities in a safe way and being welcomed into that context is really, really important. Uh, so we've learned a lot, I think, from um, from talking to social workers who've come to work here from Africa, from uh, you know, from uh, you know, Eastern European countries, and and uh, and we need to understand what what are the gaps for those individuals in relation to housing and. Integration, and we have that as a real issue right across the healthcare system because we have young GPs um, who won't go into rural areas because they're not, you know, there's no integration there. You have F1 doctors heading off to the west for, you know, to do their qualifications, living in a hospital setting, and then moving back to the city. So we have a real issue in Northern Ireland around around how we attract the right people into the right roles uh, across the region. You're nodding furiously. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're in a process in Northern Ireland that we have been, for obvious reasons, so preoccupied with religion um, and with anti-discrimination in that respect that we are probably a little bit behind the curve in terms of a society and how we deal with all of the other inequalities, whether it's race, dis disability, even gender. Um, every year we chart attitudes to ethnic minorities and race through the Northern Ireland Life and Time Survey. And that's been quite interesting just over the past 20 years, seeing how those attitudes have changed. And I think there is some, some scope for optimism. So when we look at the annual survey of 16-year-olds, we see that there's much less prejudice there than there would be in the Adult Life and Time Survey. But we, we do see um, worryingly still high levels of prejudice, I think. Uh, and we do see more contact, but still quite limited contact. So we ask people about their contact with, with ethnic minority groups. So I think it, it is something we need to be mindful of when we are trying to attract workers, that we're, we're attracting them to a region which, um, where, you know, where we are not yet as confident and as comfortable as we should be. Even, even in England, a um, recent survey of social workers showed, um, I think they, what the results showed was that a quarter of social work staff had experienced racism in their job from colleagues. Uh, so that w wasn't even getting at what they experienced, in, you know, in their, uh, you know, in the, in the wider setting. So I think we don't have very good data here in terms of what, re what racism or discrimination professionals encounter anecdotally. 
we hear sometimes about prejudiced attitudes, whether it's in residential homes or in community settings. And it's probably not called out in the same way that it would be in hospitals, for example. So that's probably something we need to think about as well. Does, do, do people's attitudes change, I wonder, when they're in a situation where a person that they would have not had a good attitude towards actually is the person who's looking after them? And you know, do they realise then that this is a different, you know, that this is actually where they are? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, you just have to look at what's happening in the UK at the moment where within the National Health Service around, you know, um, people from ethnic minority groups talking about how they've been received and bullied and uh, treated. Uh, and that's within our health service uh, across the UK. So we can't be um, blinkered that that won't happen or doesn't happen here. And I think there's... You know, the real issue, I suppose, in the value of social work is that it has to stand up for those social justice issues right across the piece. Uh, so it, it needs to be advocating and supporting and, and calling out uh, practices that impact negatively on communities. And, you know, the role of social work in, in inclusivity and, and diversity is really, really important. Uh, to be able to uh, make those connections uh, with within the system, so I think I think it's really really important, and we know from uh, our experiences in uh, you know people from ethnic minority groups working in 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 social care services, uh, how the local citizens might respond and react. We've had that in nursing within hospitals, so there needs to be a zero tolerance to that sort of behaviour because it is you know there's hate crime in there, there's there's really significant impact on individuals who after all are there to care and support so if we want a real inclusive society we have to have those discussions and debates and call out practices that are really unacceptable and social work is really to the forefront of that in terms of um, you know really uh, supporting individuals right across society. Well I suppose unfortunately there's not that much that that we can do to educate right this minute the people who are the receivers of, of the care but um, the sort of situations that Paul's talking about where there's uh, a racism or um, bad behaviour within organisations that that is something that can be dealt with. Now, what what can be done there Anne-Marie to ensure that, that at least you know, in, in the workplace people are treated well? Well we actually have in Northern Ireland as in the rest of the UK a very strong body of legislation uh, I suppose there's two problems here. One is that legislation in itself is never enough because we do need that attitudinal change as well. But we also need to be better at delivery, delivery of policy, implementation of legislation. And we see this in, in every area of our legislation, actually. Um, so with regard to with regard to gender and race, the strategies which we have here are now really out of date. So the government had been in the process of developing a new gender equality strategy, for example, strategy and equality for disabled people um, and working on a, a new race equality strategy. But of course, because we don't have a government now, we are really far behind with those. And the development of those new strategies um, did ascertain that implementation around former policy and former legislation had not been as effective as it could be and the lessons were learned from that but we, we just urgently need these things to be signed off by government and you know for that process of delivery to take place so I, I think we could be 
optimistic in that government is developing a good body of strategic policy. I think the challenge for us in this place will be the politicians putting that into place. I mean, there are some circumstances where, while it's bad news at the time, if you like, um, those delays can end up not being as much of a um, detractor as they might be and that you can kind of leapfrog some of the problems and pick up on the good practice and then kind of move forward. Is there, I'm, I'm grasping at straws here, is there, is there a chance that, that we might be able to, to do that? There's maybe some chance, but I think we also have to be really clear about admitting our mistakes as well. So uh, just not, not to bog people down in legislation, but our, our statutory uh, Section 75 legislation covers nine categories. Now, there has been a disproportionate focus, I think, on religion in terms of the application of that legislation, but also a misinterpretation of the legislation. So what, what people have tended, policymakers have tended to do and statutory agents is, is to feel that that legislation means you have to treat everybody the same. And it doesn't, because if you treat everybody the same, you never get beyond the historical base, you know, that you're just embedding the inequality. Uh, and yet we know from our research that policy has continuously done that. So I think in in some way, you're right. That period of um, inactivity around policy has given us time really to drill down into some of those problems and for some of the new strategies to acknowledge that, that that is the case and that we need to move away from a neutrality in policymaking towards uh, more positive action mm -hmm. to make up for you know pre previous challenges. Paul? Yeah, I, I think that's a very important point. You know, if you're looking to develop... Uh, a society that's inclusive and diverse um, where many different cultures living within society um, immigrants arrive in and we know the big debate at the minute in, in the UK around um, migrants and, and how we treat them um, uh, but I think there is a, a very positive story to be told around diversity and, and we need to get better at talking about that uh, rather than seeing anybody that's different from ourselves as a problem. So diversity pro promotes tolerance and understanding between different cultures. It enriches communities uh, through shared experiences with different people and it attracts more money uh, to our economy and that's particularly important in Northern Ireland at the moment because we have a fixed uh, number of economically active people in Northern Ireland. We have a huge number of roles and posts you know, that people, we can't attract people into. And that's the same right across uh, the UK at the moment. So, you know, um, we we need to get better at supporting people with disability into employment. Um, they're, they're, the, they're, they're the significant numbers that, that don't have a job um, and want uh, to work. Uh, we also have a significant percentage of uh, our Northern Ireland population that are uh, economically inactive. So we need to do a lot more around attracting those individuals. And we need to attract people from other countries into Northern Ireland. That's the reality, um, because we'll not have the services of provision needed for the population unless we do. So we need to move away from seeing people who are different as, as, uh, as oh, you know, we don't, we don't want people different in our society. Uh, we actually have a whole range of diversity already in our society and we need to get better at, at that inclusivity piece. Inclu and, and celebrate it, perhaps. Yeah. What about training? I mean, that, that must enter into all of this, mustn't it? You know, uh, as far as uh, the Social Care Council is concerned, um, what sort of... What sort of 
training takes place, what kind of a, a assistance is given to uh, aid inclusivity and, and promote diversity? Well, I think that's that's an important point. Um, right across the health and social care system, uh, we have significant numbers of people coming in from Syria, different uh, immigrants um, uh, who, who have had come to Northern Ireland. Um, for safety, I mean, I've heard of one case recently where you know a, a qualified doctor is working as a, a care worker in a nursing home. Uh, so we need to get better at sort of processing and uh, supporting people to connect in. We've just recently finished a project as part of our reform work in with the Princess Trust, and we had uh, a number of young um, migrants who are now able to work in Northern Ireland and really want to work. Uh, and will bring huge added value. In relation to social work, uh, whenever someone comes from another country to and chooses to come to work in Northern Ireland, they, there, there needs to be mapping in relation to qualifications. So we need to make sure that uh, under the old EU directive, you were really supporting people living up, in a sense, you know, if, if, if the relevant uh, qualifications or the, the practice was fitting. Uh, there were opportunities to support people, so compensation measures, developing the expertise in relation to legislation, etc., within Northern Ireland context. So, as a council, we would have been very significantly involved in, in encouraging those applications and uh, processing them, mapping them across, and trying to integrate people into into employment in Northern Ireland. And that has been a really, while it's not huge numbers, it's it's brought a, a lovely. Um, Connection, you know, for example, if you if you're uh, you know a, a, a migrant worker, and and you have from Eastern European European country, and you have a social worker who has that background, it brings added value in terms of how we manage different cultures in our society and how we support them. What about developing um, diverse teams and leaders? I mean. Teams are big things now, aren't they? And no organisation works without people being involved in a team. But that can be difficult in itself if you if you have a, a real mix of people in there. Anne-Marie, I mean, have you been looking at, at that at all? Or you know, how, how does it work even in, in your own circumstances? Well, um, I think just before moving on to that, I just wanted to pick up on something Paul had said about training, if, if that's OK, Wendy. And I think... Um, from a university perspective and from a, a training professional's perspective, I think the curriculum is really important that in the, in the curriculum, when we're training social workers or we're, or we're training social care people, we address those discrimination issues, we address those uh, uh, you know, through anti-oppressive practice and such, because social workers have a really privileged role as promoters of social justice in the communities that they work in, but they need to be equipped to do that. And, you know, and again, I think historically we've focused on religious discrimination, but we've moved a long way away from that. So, you know, hopefully that will have a positive impact as well. In terms of, of leadership, um, I'm, I'm not a leadership expert, but, uh, you know, from your experience of working in any team and, and knowing what you read about professional uh, development and professional working, that message has to come from the top. You know that we we appreciate diversity. That you there is no tolerance for discrimination, and that that um, th there's open conversations as well. And that people, you know, that what the research in England has actually highlighted is that people don't always report their concerns around bullying and harassment because they feel they won't be listened to, or or because they. 
the discrimination or the harassment is so subtle that they can't act. They don't actually know what they ought to be reporting, and we're not great at talking about racial discrimination. Um, and I think we we people are open to that conversation, but we don't always start it. You know, it always strikes me whenever we ask questions in the Life and Time survey, we ask people directly about do they feel they're prejudiced and so on. People answer those questions quite honestly. And that's that creates a, a space to have these conversations and to have them in workplaces as well and for leaders to, to instigate those. That's very interesting because I was going to ask you, do we just need to be more honest about all of this? Um, you know, as Paul's explaining, um, we don't have the workforce ourselves here unless miraculously, you know, we do get the, um, the, the, the people who are economically inactive back to work. They're not all going to go to work. Um, we're not going to get all people who have a disability to be working either. We need to have people coming from other places to support all of these services and other industries as well. Do we just need to be more honest about this and uh, and stop maybe dancing on the head of a pin? I know. I think we absolutely do. Um, when it comes to any issue of discrimination, I think we that we we have to be very clear that there is a problem. We uh, I don't think we should be subtle about these things. I think we need to to call you know to call it as it is that these services are not sustainable. Lots of our economy is not sustainable, and. Uh, particularly in Britain, Brexit has had the most catastrophic consequences for the social care workforce in particular. It has just decimated it. And the, the workforce in England in particular is at point of crisis. And, you know, we, we are facing real substantial challenges here as well. So people, we won't have the people to look after us unless we address all of these issues, both grow our own workforce uh, and, and make this seem like an attractive career option, but also understand that we are going to be dependent on people coming from other countries for some time. Do we tell enough good stories about them? I wonder, Paul, you know, good stories and interesting stories. When I was speaking to someone the other day who uh, was saying that um, uh, he had a client who makes face masks and that they'd had to change their template for Filipino workforce because they have smaller heads. Um, so that they have a different side. You know, now, that sounds like a kind of silly story, but it's stuck in my head. Um, and it does make you smile and uh, it just makes you realise that different people are different. Um, you know, do we do enough of that? Uh, well, I think we need to continue to develop good news stories, particularly around social work and social care. They're very challenging roles. Uh, being a social worker in Northern Ireland is, is unique. Um, given the legacy, given the trauma of our society and uh, and the role that they provide within that. We don't really, I suppose, talk enough about that. Um, and we've been proactively, you know, having those discussions in the last number of years just in terms of the voices of social work, um, the impact in terms of working in communities, the community development work that social work undertakes. And, and, and that is about upholding the social justice issues um, and calling out in those people who are uh, affected and impacted by 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 race or by um, you know uh, per circumstances in relation to um, their their own situation. So, social work has a huge part to play in 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 
articulating what type of society we should be working within in terms of upholding the legislation, the policies, the equality, human rights. And that's really, really important that we don't lose that. Sometimes um, you can get caught down the uh, gatekeeping resources uh, and, and the focus is on that. But social work has to stay to its roots in relation to those pieces and they are very aware of the complexities and, and, and the challenges. Indeed, I think the barriers for, for people living in our society, you know, in terms of particularly coming to work here, um, low, lower paid, living in areas that uh, are, you know, not as well off, um, having barriers to training and engaging in, in training and development is, is, is a big issue if you're coming and you don't know here. Uh, I, I remember a year ago during COVID uh, meeting this homeless man one, one evening in the city centre and he was begging for food. And uh, he was a fisherman from Lithuania and he arrived into our glass just as COVID went into lockdown. And he was left with no money, nothing. He found his way to Belfast and, and sitting on the curb, not wanting to go home because people would see him as a failure. So, you know, that's the real impact of, of not supporting people properly. Um, people who, this man worked all over the world, uh, so he was more than willing. Circumstances changed that for him. And that's what happens with people coming into our society. They come here with all sorts of complexities and challenges. And as a society, we have to look at how we best support those individuals uh, and engage them into our society in a, an inclusive way because they have a lot to provide. So where do we go from here? Uh, you know, Anne-Marie's talking about the uh, enormous impact of, of Brexit on this whole workforce, both uh, uh, in, in GB and uh, here in Northern Ireland. Um, you know, I mentioned at the start we're 25 years on from the Good Friday Agreement and there are aspects of that that we haven't even sorted out, never mind you know, the, the, the bigger picture of what we're talking about at the moment. Uh, how do we move forward from here, Anne-Marie? Well, it's a, it's a really good time to be reflecting on this, Wendy. Um, you know, equality was at the heart of the Good Friday Agreement. Um, and we we have come some long way in terms of addressing the violence, but we've come much less of a way in terms of the everyday piece, if you like, addressing these um, equality and, and justice issues. And I do think we're, we're finding ourselves in a place now that there's increasing recognition that we need to be moving on a bit more rapidly um, to give people confidence that peace is working for them. And some of the, the users of social work and social care are some of the most vulnerable people in our society. And they're the people who've maybe in some ways benefited at least from the peace dividend, you know, if they're living in really difficult socioeconomic circumstances. So um, I think in order for those people to be supported, we need to support the workforce that can do that. Um, there's there's challenges in recruiting for the workforce and retention. You know, but Paul has talked about the rewards that come with this work and the really positive outcomes that can come from it. But we do, as a society and as a government, need to invest in it. And we, we actually need to professionalise social care. And I think there's increasing recognition of that, that we need to... Half of our social care workers have no qualifications at all. They're doing really skilled work. It's just not recognised. But we need to make sure that they're, they are actually properly equipped to do that, that they have access to learning about the values that will help them, you know, to, to stay as good care workers. And we have to pay for that. And we have to pay their wages. And therein lies a very large part of the problem, Paul. Uh, absolutely, and we're making progress there. I think. I think you know, you can 
it, it, in Northern Ireland is a, a complex uh, region. Uh, we're still struggling with uh, our, ourselves, never mind um, other um, groupings or individuals who want to come into our society. Uh, we know that professionalisation of social work certainly increased uh, the number of males coming and wanting to work in it, and just, that's the same for nursing as well. Uh, so I think I think good training and development around. Uh, I think it's also being. Part of the wider debate in in Northern Ireland really is, I mean, the protocol is a good example of you know uh, how do we how do we ensure a better prosperous society for all, and I think I think moving our society to thinking in the collective as opposed to groupings is is a journey in itself, and uh, we have a lot of work to do I think going forward, but. Uh, there is something about this levelling levelling up is a big agenda in the UK, but we need to level uh, up in a connected way in our society and embrace uh, diversity and change and celebrate it. And uh, and that will pay huge dividends um, in terms of the richness uh, in, in our society in the years to come. Um, young people um, won't tolerate, you know, you, you, I've just read, Yesterday, I think uh, there's something like uh, a million young people have left Russia. You know, that's a huge issue. So when societies get things wrong, people leave. Well, that's happened here for years, hasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, hopefully uh, that's not going to be the case in future because we're running out. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, thanks both of you very much indeed for, for talking about this enormous topic. We could actually do a whole series, I think, on, on fostering equality, diversity and inclusion. But that was uh, that was really interesting to hear from both of you. So uh, my thanks to Amory Gray, Professor of Social Policy in the School of Criminology, Politics and Social Policy at Ulster University and to Paul Rooney, Professional Advisor at the Social Care Council. This has been Care to Chat, a podcast from the Northern Ireland Social Care Council. Thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to learn more about careers in social care and social work, visit niscc.info, where you can find inspirational stories, great learning resources, podcasts and much more. 